The Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involves varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation. Know the difference. Now, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News. Welcome, everybody. A little bit of uh, our own March Madness. Here we go on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. Got a great hour planned for you. We are about to dig in deep on the market and everything that has been going on. Going to talk about what's called lifestyle inflation creep. That's coming up. Ask Annex is as well. Then the age-old question, how much insurance do you need? Talking about life insurance, our financial planning team, quite good at that, and we're going to sit down with them. I'm Danny Clayton. Derek Felsky is our chief investment officer. Hello. Welcome to the show. Hello, Danny. And Dave Spano, president and CEO of Annex Wealth Management. Welcome to you. Yeah, thanks, Danny. And there's no question it was a wild week in the markets this week. But the three hours, again, dominated the story, Russia, rate hikes, and recession fears. And so what we want to talk about is the Fed meeting that happened earlier this week. Right. Uh, the FOMC, as expected, did raise the Fed funds rate 25 basis points. But I think more importantly, we got a little bit more of a flavor for what the Fed participants believe. The Fed is now looking for seven rate hikes this right. year, although that's a median number. And, yeah, and, and, and I think, Derek, that was way more than we expected. We thought we were going to get the quarter point, but for them to come out and say there was going to be so many rate hikes really was interesting to the market, and the market did react to that. You know, initially it sold off, but I think just, the, you know, it's the old story, you know, the people don't like uncertainty. So once we got the past the Fed meeting, people started to refocus on what earnings look like, what the economy looks like, and what the prospects are in Russia and Ukraine. Yeah, for sure, and that was the Russia. But, you know, let me just go back to that because I think there is no doubt that we're seeing the end of quantitative easing, this term that we saw come out of the 2008 crisis. So we've had this money printing and then the Federal Reserve increasing their balance sheet now for about a dozen straight years. And now they're going to start to unwind that. And quantitative easing may be coming to an end. And that is very important for those companies that really relied on easy money. Yeah, they're done purchasing assets. They said that during their, their conference call. And the question now is how, how are they going to tackle that balance sheet because it's one thing to let bonds expire it's another thing to actually sell them right and so we'll see how they do that the balance sheet now nine trillion dollars and i talked about the financial crisis back in 2008 was about one-tenth the size so there this could be going on for a long time it really meant danny that the rising tide raised all boats and so there was companies that really didn't do well that were being survived by easy money and so we're going to have to watch that the other thing we certainly have to talk about of course is Russia. And we really don't know what's happening. We've kind of laid out a potential what we think could happen and what the market's reaction to that would be. But obviously, nobody knows how this is going to play out. That's absolutely right. And, you know, one of the things that also occurred as a result of Russia's price of oil went to $130 a barrel. It actually was below 100 bucks at one point on Thursday, but still a 20% increase since November. And that's had a negative effect on consumer confidence. And that's something we have to track as well, because 70% of the U.S. economy is driven by the consumer. Which one of you guys said that gas prices go up like a rocket but come down like a feather? Because yeah, exactly. they have not come down. They haven't down moved much. at all, right? But we saw oil prices come down. And that certainly made a number of stocks move, like airline stocks and those who were heavily connected to fuel. They did rally based on that news. And of course, the last thing, because you talked about consumer sentiment, is recession. That is our third R. And of course, that is something we have to watch because.
because of sentiment starts to slow down at the same time that the Fed is starting to increase rates, that could slow down the economy. We reintroduce the term stagflation, a stagnant economy with inflation. Right now, the Atlanta Fed is looking for 0.5% growth of GDP in Q1. That's partially due to a very strong rebuilding cycle in Q4. So we kind of borrowed some demand from Q1 into Q4. And our expectation is Q2 will see some restocking. But, you know, that's pretty close to zero. And again, the market's going to sniff it out and discount the future. But, you know, the Fed spoke this week and they did say interest rates and inflation and recession fears were low. Inflation was expected to be about 4%, which we, you know, you and I both, our eyebrows went up because of the course, it was at about 9% with the PPI. And so all of this means that you go through your portfolio and there's companies that are going to do well. And there's no doubt that companies' balance sheets and their income statements are going to mean more now than ever. So go through your portfolio, know what you own, why you own it, and how much you're paying for it. And it's so important. Or at least know the importance of doing that. And if that maybe is beyond what you feel comfortable doing, that's what Annex Wealth Management is for. We do it every single day for so many clients at every one of our branches. It all starts by hitting AnnexWealth.com, clicking that Get Started button. We do investment and retirement planning. We do tax planning. We do estate planning as one team, a complete plan that includes every single aspect of the Annex team. Most important part, we do it all the time as a fee-only fiduciary. Talk about fee transparency. We're going to be back in a bit. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, Sunday, March 20th. Quick break, coming back on 92.5 Fox News. It starts with a call. With one call, you can start seeing your future more clearly. If your financial picture is cloudy because you're getting conflicting tax, investment, and estate planning advice, help is a call or a click away. Annex Wealth Management's team works to get your investment plan in line with your tax plan and your estate plan. Build confidence with one team working to create one comprehensive plan as a fee-only fiduciary. Annex Wealth Management. One team, one plan, one fee. AnnexWealth.com. Know the difference? It's one team, one plan, one fee. Website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button while you're on the website. Sign up for the Axiom, which is our free weekly newsletter. Also, subscribe to the Annex Wealth Management YouTube channel with over 1,400 Annex Wealth Management produced videos. All local content, all stuff for you. Derek Felsky, our Chief Investment Officer in the studio today for Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. Along with Dave Spano, President and CEO, Annex Wealth Management. You know, what a difference a week makes, Danny. We were reading some research reports a week ago, and you thought for sure the world was going to end, and the President of the United States talking about World War III and nuclear advancements and all of these things. But we rallied all week and ended on a positive note with triple witching hour on Friday afternoon. Yeah, it was ama- it really was an amazing week. We saw the fear and greed index go from 17 up to 35 during the week again. Under 20, you really want to have a watch list. And the bullish narrative is really kind of simple. We got too oversold, sentiment got too negative, and people got too p- negatively positioned. Too much cash was raised. Yeah, too much cash. And, of course, as soon as oil started to retreat, money came back in the market. And remember, folks, a lot of times— I compare it to a washing machine. In other words, it's going from one side to the other, but it's really not coming out of the wash. And my point here is the money is staying in the market. It's just going from one sector to the next or maybe international to cash, but it's staying invested, Derek. It is. I mean, there's obviously been a lot of selling in emerging markets and international equities because the belief there is that economy may in fact go into a recession, which in some ways would warrant a bear market. But in the United States right now, we have economic normalization coming. We have 
have strong corporate and consumer balance sheets. We still have pretty low interest rates by historical measures. And the valuation of the S&P has improved dramatically. It is really. So P.E. ratios have come down, ironically, as earnings have gone up. And so the bearish narrative certainly is going to go into the second quarter, which is starting soon. It is. And the other thing it will also trigger is oftentimes at the end of a quarter, you see substantial rebalancing. And given the fact that the stock market has performed so poorly so far this quarter, you'd, you'd expect a lot of the rebalancing to move from selling treasuries to buying equities at quarter end. And so as portfolio uh, shifts to consider as this is happening, that is one idea. But we've seen some others this week as well. Well, value stocks do tend to hold up better during inflationary periods. Dividend uh, stocks provide protection in, a, in an event of low interest rates and market volatility. And then within fixed income, you know, the 10-year the bond is now up to 2.15. And we really don't believe it's going to go much beyond two and a half. So duration might be something they want to pick up down the road as rates move So higher. I want to explain that. You and I can talk about that, but let's put this in common man language. When you say add duration, what does that mean? Well, I think you want to add interest rate risk. Up to this point, we've been playing credit risk. By, and by that, I mean, we do believe that the economy is on strong footing, so the likelihood of defaults is very low. But when you take on interest rate risk, you're essentially assuming the economy may slow somewhat, and risk-adjusted returns would advantage you to own treasuries or longer-duration assets with cash flow payments way out in the future. And so there's been a lot of talk about the typical 60-40 portfolio. And remember, folks, all 60-40s are not created equal, right? So 60% in domestic versus 60% in international, or 40% in treasury versus 40% in high yield. They're both 60-40s, but they're comprised differently. And that is the reason why, as you go through that, a lot of folks are putting a lot of pressure on the 60-40 portfolio anyways. Absolutely. And, and the problem with a lot of 401ks, as Tom Parks mentions all the time, our director of uh, 401k plans, that the, the, the options that many people have in their 401ks are very limited. They often just have interest rate risk. They don't have high yield bonds or bank loans and other things, which is one of the reasons why we advocate an open platform. That's right. An open platform, Danny, of course, uh, really means that you can choose what you want. You know, we use independent custodians, and that is a major difference. You know, we see a lot of our competitors come in and they're on one of their proprietary custodians or they sell their own products. Of course, we don't do any of that. We use world-class custodians like Charles Schwab and Fidelity. And on those platforms, you can invest in all kinds of ways. And really, that's what folks do, Danny. As you know, they hire us to go into those independent custodians as a fee-only fiduciary. We don't take a look at you and then haul one off the shelf and hand it to you. Each one is handcrafted for you. We do investment and retirement planning, tax planning and estate planning. We do it, as Dave says, as a fee-only fiduciary. But that plan includes the brains of everybody on the Annex team, and there are more and more every day with really sharp people. It all starts at AnnexWealth.com by clicking that Get Started button. Derek mentioned 401ks. We've got a question on Ask Annex coming up. Is a 401k only enough diversification? That's coming up and a bunch more on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. We're going to be right back on 92.5 Fox News. Dave Spano from Annex Wealth Management. After all we've been through, isn't it time to focus on what really matters, living your best life? There are a lot of moving pieces when it comes to investment and retirement planning. It's important to get it right and we can help. AnnexWealth.com is the place to start. Click the Get Started button. Put a pro on your side with a local fee-only fiduciary. That's Annex Wealth Management. AnnexWealth.com. 
We're back on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. It is Sunday. Glad you're riding along with us. I'm liking this show so far. If you came in partway through, I just want to remind you that a podcast of this show will be on the Annex Wealth Management Spotify channel at uh, 1 o'clock this afternoon. Coming up next, mistakes by decades, what you do in your 30s and 40s, way you mess things up in the 50s, 60s. And, and Dave Spano, I think I've got the bingo card pretty much pretty much covered on that. Filled? Right, right. Exactly. Yeah, That's on the way. We're joined in the studio by Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning Development at CFP and a CDFA at Annex Wealth Management. Hey, Deanne. Hi, Danny. You know, we were uh, just standing in the lobby, and a guy had a Fort Myers Beach. And remember that this show is all throughout southwest Florida. And he had a Fort Myers Beach hat on. He was talking about driving down and going down to Tin City at one of those restaurants. And that happens all the time people make that drive but if you are making the drive and you're coming down 41 our office is right off of 41 in pine ridge and uh, we are there to talk people through and you know all of this concern with inflation in fact deanne you just had a conversation with a client who was sitting on a bunch of cash who was afraid what to do with it yeah you know a lot of cash in fact and actually was pretty happy that they were making one percent but when his wife looked at him and said, really, that's it? He kind of looked and he said, but we're not losing. And she said, but I think we are. And she turned to me and I said, you know what? Bingo, you are right. You are losing when it comes to inflation. Inflation running 3 to 4%, you know, in the in the shorter term. Historically, at that 3%, if you're only making one, you're getting a negative return. Yeah, negative rate of return. So any rate of return you have, and in your example, 1% minus inflation is negative 3. Now, you might not feel that until you do, right? So you go down the road... And you go, what can I buy? Well, you can just see it in inverse reaction. You can see what's happening with real estate prices, number one. Or you can go to the grocery store and see that you're paying more. And all of us, no matter what economic strata you are in, are seeing the fact that you're paying more to fill up your gas tank, to go to the grocery store, and so on. And that's why inflation really does steal, and it's a tax, too. And so that's the reason why you have to pay attention to it and find companies that can increase their prices. And that's the way you can find companies that will increase your portfolio. Find companies that can do better as inflation kicks in. Dave Spano is our president and CEO at Annex Wealth Management. Where, by the way, are you going uh, this afternoon at 1 o'clock when we're done with the show? I'm going to watch uh, some basketball. That's for darn sure. Good man. How many brackets do you have? Well, just one. Just, just one. one? Just the one. Just one. All right, folks. Hey, if we can help, know the difference. One team, one plan, one fee. Investment, retirement planning, tax planning, estate planning. That's a complete plan built for you and you alone by everybody on the Annex Wealth Management team. Most important part, we do it as a fee-only fiduciary. Website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. We'll be right back. 92.5 Fox News. Sure, there are market updates, but learn something new and interesting with the Know the Difference Minute from Annex Wealth Management. We'll go beyond the usual topics and dig in deep on developing and breaking stories. Catch them all on Spotify. Search Know the Difference Minute from Annex Wealth Management. And here we got a team segment. Randy Winkler, CFP and Manager of Financial Planning at Annex Wealth Management. Randy, welcome back. Thanks. Glad to be here. A recent article caught my eye. Title was The Biggest Money Mistakes by Decade. It's about the decisions that we make or don't make each decade of our life. Right. It's a really interesting subject because there are different phases that you go through and there's different things that you should be doing and things that you shouldn't be doing. Let's run through them. Now, you've seen the results of good and bad planning as you look at portfolios as part of your team. Let's see if we can find some ways to avoid them. In fact, let's flip it around on the positive and talk about how to properly handle these phases. And the first event, I think, is very interesting. It's childhood. And this is really 
really more for the parents. And this is missing opportunities to educate the kids. Right. It's very interesting in that the money is the last taboo, they're calling it. You talk about everything else, you won't talk about money. And that's really doing a disservice to kids because how are they going to learn? They're going to learn as they grow up through painful misadventure. You know, if they don't learn the dangers of credit cards or the power of saving or the power that budgeting can give, you probably are going to find it out in your 30s or 40s because of making painful mistakes that you have to dig out of a hole. But what about even when they're little kids and, and kind of making wise choices with their allowances even? Right. That's interesting. And I think people think that kids can't handle it. I can tell personal experiences. My niece and nephew, they were three and five. One sitting on either knee, and I was going through a book that was was called a financial fairy tale, a story of the three little pigs. You know, it was a spending pig, saving pig, and sharing pig, and the big bad wolf was a, a bad real estate developer. And it had questions in there where it's about, is this a want or is this a need? And they were just fascinated and influenced, and my sister just happened to walk in the room and say, since we got the new couch, we really need new drapes. And my niece, who was five, said, do we need new drapes or do you want new drapes? And my sister got this look on her face. I've never thought of it that way. So if a five-year-old can pick it up. An adult can, but if you can start at that age, it's developing the skills and the interest to move forward with that. Let's move into the 20s. One of them is when you get a job, you get involved with that 401k. Yes. And it's funny, I hate to keep bringing it up, but I just had this conversation with my niece. She's got a new job. I asked her, what's your company match? She said, it's 5%. I said, and you're contributing five? She said, no, I'm contributing two. I said, well, you know what we call that at, at Annex? We call it a voluntary pay cut. So I very strongly encouraged her, she's now 24, to use all of the skills that I tried to ingrain in her growing up and say, you got to get to 5% to get the free money. The tough part for people is it's deferred gratification. When you're 20 or 30 years old, you're not thinking about when you're 59 and a half and get access to that money through your 401k. But it's like a snowball rolling downhill. The bigger you can get it going when you're younger. And just a little trick for people is when you get a raise, you get a 3% raise, up your 401k by 1%. It's very simple. And over time, you'll be surprised at how you go from your 5 to 6 to 7. Pretty soon you're at 20% by the time you're you know, a little bit older. Talking about addressing money mistakes we make by decades. So now into the 30s, misplaced spending. What we see here is that there's a big difference between living in the present or living in the future. You have to find a good combination of both. We've seen people that have just deferred gratification. They've saved and saved, and they died at a young age and never got to enjoy it. The flip side is the typical American stereotype, spend it all now, and then there's nothing in the future. So finding a good mix where you've got to have some discretionary fun money, but don't go over the top. Briefly, do you have a formula for renting versus buying a house? Uh, that's um, also one that comes up every once in a while. Uh, what we've seen where people make a mistake is going by the old way of thinking that renting is bad and buying is good. If you're moving to a new area, we've seen it where people go in and they just buy a house. And then they find, well, this isn't the neighborhood I want to be in. This isn't the community I want to be in. In those cases, often it makes sense to come in, rent for a while, get to know the area, find the community that you want to live in before you put down the permanent roots. Now we're into the 40s, and the biggest threat is not saving enough and investing enough. Right. In the 40s, you've kind of settled into your career. You're approaching your peak earning years. You're not quite there yet. You should be building up a pretty good nest egg and thinking about what you want your future to look like. You're not thinking about retirement, but you're planning for it. And you have to take a look at your time frame, where a lot of people get caught up as they think of their money as being all in one bucket. Really, you have to divide it up by your time frame and your goal for it. If you're taking a big vacation this summer, that money should not be in the market. You need it to be very liquid. It's probably in the bank. But the money that you want in your 40s for retirement, which is 20, 30 years down the road, you don't want that in the bank. You want that working for you and taking the appropriate amount of risk for your goal. 
Okay, now into the 50s, and this is the zone where we really think people need a plan. Correct. This is where you bring everything together, you take a look at it, and you start defining when do I want to retire. And then the most difficult number for most people is what am I going to spend in retirement? What is the expense that the portfolio and the income sources have to support? That's something that we we work with people and we take a look at and we give them a a percentage. Like you have an 85% chance of success based on your inputs or you've got a 45% chance of success. It's all based around getting the data in there and you still have time to make the adjustments if you need to. Now we're to our 60s and again, a big mistake, not having a plan. Correct. We've seen it where people come in. I'm like, hey, I'm retiring in three months. I've decided I want to come in and talk to you people. That's great, you know, because there's so many things that you have to look at when you get to that point where you're looking for your retirement paycheck as opposed to your job paycheck. What order are you going to distribute the assets from which account? You know, when do you start Social Security? Do you need bridge health care? Some very creative things you can do with tax planning and Roth conversions and stuff that we geek out on here all the time. But it can be kind of complicated when people that work their whole life and have been diligent savers and get there and they're like, now what? What? I'm going from accumulation to distribution. What do I do? Same thing then when somebody gets in their 70s and it says can't outrun inflation and debt. Correct. So what a lot of people think is like in the old thinking was, okay, the older you get, the more conservative you get. You always have to think of buckets. For the money that you need in the short term, you're always going to keep it liquid. Whether you're 20 and saving for a new car or a new house or you're 70 and taking money out to support your lifestyle, you're still going to have a lot of life ahead of you and you've got to keep growing to stay ahead of inflation. Randy Winkler, how does he know all this? Well, he's a CFP and he's a manager financial planning at Annex Wealth Management. When we talk about the free portfolio analysis, that's your team. Correct. We take a look at what uh, whatever you hold right now, and we tell you, how's it working? Is it working well? Is it not working well? Are the fees too high? What is it doing for you? Randy, thanks for joining us. Thanks. It starts with a call. With one call, you can start seeing your future more clearly. If your financial picture is cloudy because you're getting conflicting tax, investment, and estate planning advice, help is a call or a click away. Annex Wealth Management's team works to get your investment plan in line with your tax plan and your estate plan. Build confidence with one team working to create one comprehensive plan as a fee-only fiduciary. Annex Wealth Management. One team, one plan, one fee. AnnexWealth.com. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? Welcome back. Amy Bremer, CFP and Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management. Hi, Danny. Isn't this a well-timed discussion? In a world where everything we need is going up in price, we're at a point where that kind of inflation is colliding with another type of inflation, and that is lifestyle inflation. How do we define lifestyle inflation? That's a great question, Danny. So we determine lifestyle inflation as lifestyle creep. And that's where your wages increase. So you increase your lifestyle. Maybe you upgrade to the king size super value meal or you upgrade to the nicer level car when before you would have gotten the entry level car. So just death by a million cuts sort of things only in relation to money. So right at the top, Amy, we're going to point out that in no way are we saying that people shouldn't enjoy themselves and the fruits of their labor. In fact, this is more of a cautionary piece for maybe younger folks or people starting out that we're going to offer up some insights that might lead to a more fulfilling future. Maybe the subtitle should be Mo Money, Mo Problems, yeah, right? Right. Dee, that's a good one. Does that happen? And to get at lifestyle inflation, do we need to challenge a status quo? Yes. So first, please let me interject here and say we are not telling folks that you must take a vow of poverty. We're not the clergy here. You know, we're regular folk working hard for our money and we should be able to enjoy it. But we want to address more the keeping up with the Joneses type mentality where, you know, the neighbors got the swimming pool. So, oh, hey, I can get a swimming pool too when swimming pools are really expensive no matter where you live. So we just want to make sure that 
the lifestyle that you live doesn't exponentially increase in conjunction to the income that you earn. But it happens. It does. It happens all the time? Not all the time. Some folks have a higher propensity to that than others, and a lot of it is driven by their choice of profession. However, it's really easy to avoid it, and it's to pay yourself first. So one of the ways that I tell um, folks that I work with at Annex is when you get those annual wage increases, they're nice, you know, 3%, 4%, sometimes if you had a better year, 5 or 6 put half of it in your 401k because a 3% wage increase over 26 pay periods, if you get paid every other week, and then you have income tax taken out of it, which you got to pay the piper, that's not enough really to move the needle on your lifestyle. But if you put it in your 401k, that's going to do great things for your future retirement. Some people are great at the next suggestion. I'm not. It is to track your spending, make a budget, stick to it. Nobody likes to budget, do they? No, honestly, budgeting is the worst. It's not fun. And us humans, we like to have fun. But me personally, I track my expenses. So I know when I get to a certain limit that I got to stop spending for the month and I just kick it to next month. There's tons of resources online. Um, Mint.com is a great one. Annex uses something called eMoney where you can link up your credit cards and your bank accounts through your username and passwords and it tracks all of your spending. So it fills out a budget for you. It's really easy. I'm on board with this. Prioritize important expenses. Yes. So I find that if people have aspirational goals, like we're saving for a down payment on a house, or we really want to go to Europe, or we want to get married or buy that vacation home. If you have a goal that you're working towards, it's easier to sacrifice today to save for that future goal. So make a goal and have it be a fun one. Talking about lifestyle inflation or lifestyle creep with Amy Bremer, a CFP and a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. What really might help to fight that lifestyle creep is to, before spending anything else, you need to make sure that you're contributing to tax advantage accounts, right? Oh my gosh, most definitely. And those tax advantage accounts are your traditional 401k at work or 403b if you're in the private sector, a traditional IRA. And those will get you a tax break today. And then that money grows for your future. And then you just pay the taxes when you're in your retirement. And how about everybody's buddy, if you qualify for it, the HSA? Oh, I love HSAs. So those ones are triple taxed advantaged. The kicker is you have to have a high deductible health insurance plan. So check with your HR department at work to see if you have one of those available to you. But you get tax break when you put the money in. So it acts kind of like a traditional 401k on the way in. You can invest your HSA money. So all that growth comes tax-free. And then when you take the money out, whether you're working or not, and you spend that money on a qualified medical expense, it's tax-free to you too again. Yeah, it's they're pretty darn amazing. They're and awesome. You touched on this earlier, but let's talk a little bit more about it. You get a raise, you get a bonus, you invest it. Yes. And, you know, again, getting back to that, you know, we're not clergy, don't take a vow of poverty. You should enjoy the fruits of your labor. You work hard. You should have some joy from that, too. But I say put half. Put half of it in your 401k. The compounding over the next 20, 30 years of your life is just exponential growth, and, and your future self will be grateful for it. Do you run into lifestyle creep at every age group or every maybe asset level that we deal with at Annex Wealth Management? 
That's a great question, Danny. So I, yes, actually, there are doctors who you think would be living high on the hog that they've made tons of money and they do, but there's something called doctoritis where, you know, you make a lot of money and you spend a lot of money getting back into keeping up with the Joneses mentality. And sometimes those folks have find it difficult to retire. For investment and retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning, we do it as a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference? Our website is AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Start the wealth metric process. Amy Bremer, CFP and Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management, thank you for joining us. My pleasure, Danny. Take care. Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, Sunday, March 20th. There's more to come. Quick break. We're going to be back on 92.5 Fox News. The Week in Review, Know the Difference Minutes, team segments, planning topics, including investments, retirement, tax, and estate. It's all on the Annex Wealth Management YouTube channel, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Head to YouTube and search Annex Wealth Management. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? We are back and it's time for Ask Annex. Questions, we're always open at AnnexWealth.com. Looking for the Ask button. If we can help, you hit the Get Started button. But for purposes of Ask Annex, just look for that Ask tab. Some people say, sure, put my name on the radio. Some people say, make up a name for me. And then others remain completely anonymous. And then we get a couple of text questions in here as well. Joining me, Randy Winkler, a wealth manager. His dual power, though, is he's former manager of financial planning department. And that's the crew that looks at all the stuff when it's coming in. Yep, all the interesting things that come in for every client we take a look at. And you've seen a ton of it. Yes. All right, our first one today is from Linda. Thanks for a great show. My one and only retirement account is a 401k. Should I be more diversified than that? 401k is where most people wind up if they're working for a place that has one, right? Yes, that's where the bulk of assets generally are. And that's one of the strengths of the 401k. It's kind of set it and forget it. You enroll and you put money in on a uh, paycheck by paycheck basis. You're investing more when the market's down, less when the market's up. And over time, it grows to be a very big bucket, but it doesn't give you a lot of diversification in terms of taxes. So there's two different concepts. There's asset allocation, that's stocks and bonds and real estate. And there's asset location. Is it in a 401k? Is it an IRA? Is it in a taxable account? Is it in a Roth? The taxation of the asset location is what I believe Linda's referring to in this one. Okay. If all the money is in a 401k. Hopefully it's diversified among stocks and bonds, but it's also all going to be taxes income when it comes out. Sure. It might be that she's only been in one place for 10 or 15 years. Maybe that's the only place that she would have wound up. How would she wound up with an IRA or something different? That would have been her choice, right? Yes. So yeah. some people fund an IRA just because they want to. Other times people leave a company and they roll their 401k into an IRA. That doesn't really address her question here because there's no tax diversification there. Okay. IRA and a 401k are exactly the same in the fact that they're pre-tax. So in her question, I think that, yes, it would be nice to have some more diversification amongst the account types. She'd probably want to take a look at opening up an individual account or a joint account if she's married and funding that on a regular basis. That's taxed under the capital gains rules, um, which currently are 0, 15, and 20%. Some cases that can be considerably cheaper than your income tax, depending on the bracket you're in. But the nice thing is, let's say we speed up to retirement and she's got a million dollars in her 401k and half a million in her joint account, she has some more control over her tax bracket when she makes withdrawals. 
So one's going to be taxed as income, one's going to be taxed as capital gains. Having that diversification amongst the account types gives a, a lot more flexibility in terms of what you're paying in taxes. Next on Ask Annex is from Tim. What is your definition of good debt? May I try? Is mortgage good yes. debt? It's funny. I'm laughing because I just met with some of my favorite clients. We've had an ongoing discussion for years. They want to pay off their mortgage as quickly as possible, even though it's at a very, very, very favorable rate. This is probably more of a gut decision than a head decision. But if you're operating from your head or your or your math degree, definitely mortgage is good debt. It's tax deductible. It's not inflating. So if you think right now we're talking about inflation, costs are going up, your mortgage is not. So your mortgage as a percentage of your expenses right now is the highest it's ever going to be. 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, it's going to be a much smaller percentage because everything else is going to get more expensive. Your mortgage is not. Anything else considered good debt? I would say home equity lines of credit fall in the, in the same uh, guidelines if they're used appropriately. It's generally low interest. Kind of take a look at how much can you earn if you put that money to work as opposed to paying down your mortgage. The converse of the good debt is the bad debt. You know, sometimes people say, hey, I've got $100,000 I want to invest. And in our investigation, we found out they have $100,000 worth of credit card debt at 24%. When we tell them, hey, you can get a guaranteed, guaranteed, we can't even say that word too often, but a guaranteed 24% rate of return with no tax implications. Well, how do we do that? Pay off your, your credit card. It's not exciting, but really that's the way to go. You're not going to match that in the market in the short term, especially. Hey, I'm no CFP, but I can tell you that 24% interest, not good. No, not, not at good. all. <laughs> all right. And then let's move on to Vincent. What have you seen about early retirees and regret over retiring early? This is another interesting one. In fact, I've had a number of conversations with Deanne Phillips, who's often on here about this. We see that sometimes people get to retirement and they don't find it to be all that they hoped it would be. It's not as fulfilling. Uh, even if you don't enjoy your job, it gives you a reason to get up in the morning. Um, so what I've found over the years is it really depends if retirement is moving towards something or moving away from something. Mm, say that again. If you're moving towards something, so I'm retiring to travel, to spend time with my grandchildren, to volunteer, to you know make my hobby into a part-time job that I've always wanted to do. Next phase of a life, right? Yes, okay. yes. So you're, you're moving towards something. There's some excitement about that. Those I see as very successful retirees. On the flip side is where somebody, I'm stressed, I don't like my job, my boss is a jerk, you're moving away from something, it's a very short-term relief. And generally, I would say within a month or two, you've come down to enjoying that you don't have those stresses anymore, and then you've, you're looking for, okay, what gets me up in the morning? What's going to fulfill me? How do I find what I'm looking towards rather than escaping from? And you need that. Oh, definitely. Oh, my gosh, you need that. Yeah, I remember my parents in retirement. They were at a retirement place in Tucson. My mom was full bore in the in the mailroom at, at that place. She loved it to fulfill her. My dad off hiking in the mountains. It kept him going. Yeah. You just have to find what that thing is. I joke sometimes the money part is easy. It's the fulfillment that's more challenging. And unfortunately, we don't have the tools for guiding people in that way. We can just offer some suggestions and get thinking about it before you get there. Can we help folks? Investment, retirement planning, tax planning, estate planning. We do it as a fee-only fiduciary. No, the difference the website annexwealth.com click the get started button start the wealth metric process randy winkler wealth manager and cfp at annex wealth management thank you oh thanks danny it was fun to be here this is money talk the annex wealth management show we'll be right back 92.5 fox news 
It starts with a call. With one call, you can start seeing your future more clearly. If your financial picture is cloudy because you're getting conflicting tax, investment, and estate planning advice, help is a call or a click away. Annex Wealth Management's team works to get your investment plan in line with your tax plan and your estate plan. Build confidence with one team working to create one comprehensive plan as a fee-only fiduciary. Annex Wealth Management. One team, one plan, one fee. AnnexWealth.com. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? You might have grappled with the question, how much life insurance do I need? Not enough, and according to the commercials, a family might be in jeopardy if you pass, but is there a point when you more or less are self-insured and you might not need it? Let's dig in. And to talk about it, somebody highly qualified on both a professional and personal level, Eric Strom, Financial Planning Manager and CFP at Annex Wealth Management. Hey, Eric. Hi, Danny. Well, besides your professional training, you're also a husband and a father, so I figured you'd be perfect for this segment. Yes, and life insurance has been on our mind because we have a six-week-old baby right now, and so we <laughs> having a new child, you know, it's you always think about these things. And really, if you think about your financial life as a pyramid, the base of that pyramid is having your estate planning documents in order, having all of the appropriate insurances that you need, and having an emergency fund of three to six months of your expenses. And I believe that you've got to get those three things checked off before you can really move up the pyramid. How much insurance do you need is a tough question. I'm going to guess there's not a real correct answer, right? Well, there are rules of thumb, but you have to ask yourself, do I have kids or others who are financially dependent on me? How old am I and how close to retirement am I? It's a little bit more complicated than some of these rules of thumb. If you go to Google and you put in how much insurance do I need, you're going to be inundated with solicitations for insurance. It's going to look like the results, but the first page and a half or two are actually going to be ads. What I found after after further digging is a couple of rules of thumb I'd like to run by you. And the first, I guess, is super simple. It's you multiply your income by 10 to find out how much coverage you need. Does that work? It's not a bad starting point. And honestly, it's a lot better than many people do because many folks are simply uninsured entirely. I'm a fan of something that's slightly more complicated than just taking your income and multiplying by 10. I'm a fan of 12 times your income and then rounding that to the nearest $250,000. So still a very simple rule of thumb. You're not getting into the whole, am I paying for college and the mortgage? But that gets you, I think, a little bit closer. Here's another rule of thumb. Buy 10 times your income plus $100,000 per child for college expenses. How is that one? It's better. But if you're going to go down that road of considering college expenses, well, maybe you want to also consider your existing debts, like a mortgage. And while you're at it, maybe you also want to consider your existing assets and income streams that would survive you if you were to pass. I think that these rules of thumb are a great starting point, but there are actually worksheets available, Danny, where you can fill in your income and your age, retirement age mortgage balances and college and all that type of thing. And so what I did personally, I kind of thought about that 10 to 12 times your income. And I filled out one of these worksheets and kind of arrived at a blended number around there. It's interesting you mentioned that because that's number three. It's this thing called the dime formula. And I guess it would be kind of work 
sheet-ish. Dime is D-I-M-E, which is debt, income, mortgage, and education. That's closer to what you were talking about. Oh, definitely. I think that the important part is you want to think about your circumstances, right? If you're five years away from retirement, you have a much smaller life insurance need than someone like me. I'm in my late 30s, have a six-year-old and a six-week-old. So for me, there's a tremendous need for life insurance, right? And so I might need a higher multiple than someone whose kids are already grown up and you're three years from retirement. Someone like that may have very little or no life insurance need, even though they still have an income. So you can see how the income multiplier isn't always going to be that perfect solution. Yeah, there's not one size fits all. In fact, this is something we do for our clients, right? We look hard at their insurance. Oh, yeah, we definitely do. Now, we do not sell life insurance at Annex at all. However, we analyze hundreds of life insurance policies that our clients already have every single year. So we have a very active work that we're doing there. And so we're definitely helping people with how do you handle your existing life insurance as well as how much life insurance do you ultimately need at this time? Turning things around. Is there a point when somebody doesn't need life insurance? Well, this is the big conversation. So it's not as simple as an income multiplier. The older you are, the closer you are to retirement. Typically, your need for life insurance declines. And for some people, your need for long-term care insurance might actually increase. It really depends, though, on your circumstance. Again, we always say we're really big fans of saving for your financial future. If you've reached retirement and you've managed to save really well, you might be self-insured for long-term care insurance and life insurance. You might not need any insurance at all at that point. However, for some folks, you might have that long-term care insurance need as you get into retirement. You know, when you Google it, how much insurance do I need, you're going to be overwhelmed and you name it, it has been invented. There's term, there's whole life, there's universal life, there's index universal life, variable, variable universe. I mean, it's a huge list. Remember this. That is a big list that you just mentioned. And But many people's life insurance needs are temporary and can be met by lower cost, temporary term life insurance. That list you just mentioned, most of those are permanent cash value life insurance policies that combined investing and insurance together, which can be very expensive. Now, cash value policies can be very appropriate. For example, in the world of long-term care insurance, some of the best options include some of these cash value style policies. However, you really want to get multiple opinions if you're thinking about doing one of those types of policies you were just listing, which are, again, those are those cash value permanent policies. Get a second opinion with those because they're very expensive and oftentimes have a long obligation to them. It can be complex for investment, retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning. Annex does it as a fee-only fiduciary. Our website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Eric Strom, Financial Planning Manager, CFP at Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. Thanks, Danny. Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, Sunday, March 20th. More to come. Quick break. We're going to be back on 92.5 Fox News. Sure, there are market updates, but learn something new and interesting with the Know the Difference Minute from Annex Wealth Management. We'll go beyond the usual topics and dig in deep on developing and breaking stories. Catch them all on Spotify. Search Know the Difference Minute from Annex Wealth Management. We're back. It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News, Sunday, March 20th. If you just joined us, you like what you're hearing, we, we sure appreciate that. And head to our Annex Wealth Management Spotify channel. This show will be on as a podcast this afternoon at 1 o'clock. I'm Danny Clayton, Deanne Phillips in the studio, Director of Client Learning Development, a CFP and a CDFA. Dave Spano is President and CEO of Annex Wealth Management. Well, if you're listening to the show, you know that we are in the middle of peak season. And you can see that by driving 
around or going to try to get a restaurant reservation. And in fact, in about a month and a half, two months, some folks are going to head back north. But that doesn't mean that you can't start the process. If you are not working with a fee-only fiduciary, let us help. And if you do hit the Get Started button, we're going to engage with someone like Deanne. Absolutely. So that's the beauty of having what we call Annex everywhere, right? So we have been utilizing Zoom and go-to meetings and all the internet from years even before COVID. So very simple if you wish to go into a local office or if you wish to engage us online, we will build that backbone of the financial plan, take a look at your wealth metric and get you started. And when you do get started, right, you know, we use independent custodians like Charles Schwab and Fidelity and the like. And so if you are using, if you're doing it yourself, right now and you are using those custodians that's a great place we're not going to pull you away from that in fact we use them oh right they're the holders of the money right but you don't have to be constrained or confined with um, their particular funds too they will house the money and then we're able to go and take a look at the world and universe of types of investments that are appropriate for you and find your special mix thanks Deanne and by the way we don't take it personal if you want to do it on zoom that's no problem at all in fact like you said before before COVID, we were doing Zoom all the time. So when everybody had to pivot, which was what, roughly like two years ago. Right? The reason why I'm saying that is if you want to avoid all of this traffic that's here right now, that's right. you can stay in your beautiful place and, uh, and we'll engage you from there. Even and if you're local, that's fine. We yeah, have no problem. That's absolutely <laughs> fine. But it all starts by heading to our website, AnnexWealth.com, clicking that Get Started button for the investment and retirement planning, the tax planning, the estate planning that we do as a fee-only fiduciary. Wealth metric is more than a portfolio review. It needs to be in your hand. And if you're working with somebody else, that's okay. Might as well get a second look at what you're doing and see if it's a fit. We sure think it's going to. Coming up next, Deanne, stick around. The psychology of retirement spending. We're going to talk about that. I think that's a great piece. And it kind of goes in with what you do anyway, which is a CDFA and a CFP and the Director of Client Learning Development. Right. A lot of behavioral finance ties into all that. That's coming up next on Money Talk. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. The Week in Review, Know the Difference Minutes, Team Segments, Planning Topics, including Investments, Retirement, Tax, and Estate. It's all on the Annex Wealth Management YouTube channel, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Head to YouTube and search Annex Wealth Management. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? It was drilled into our heads. Do the right thing. Put away and save money while you're working. Don't touch it. Keep building it. And it's hard to argue because that's an excellent way to build a solid nest egg to draw upon when retirement happens. But what happens when our human nature creeps in? After all, there's a psychology behind spending in retirement, and that's what we're going to talk about with Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning and Development, a CFP and a CDFA at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome back. Well, thank you for having me. Okay, right or wrong, Deanne, we should save and invest as we go along until every day becomes a Saturday. What's wrong with that? Yes, Jenny, we should. And most people feel they are doing the right thing, putting away their money in retirement plans, plus savings, maybe even a 529 for tuition planning. The point is they're saving while they're working. They're told, don't touch it, just keep building. Then when the excitement of retirement is upon them and that dust settles, they realize they need to replace their work paycheck. Is that hard for them to grasp that? Decades, they've been seeing paychecks, and then they turn into the ones who are issuing the paycheck. And it's not coming in anymore. It's it's going out. Does that mess with our heads? I'm kind of a glass half empty guy anyway. I don't see you that way, Danny, but it does mess with our heads. It's interesting, actually. They're used to socking away for other things, like putting money away to buy a car, or even in that college tuition plan. And they know that when it's time 
for tuition, they pull the money out of the plan. It seems natural. They're ready to buy the car or put the down payment on the house. They just do it. Yep. But somehow, for some reason, they get the psychology of, well, I'm not working anymore, so I can't let that retirement pot of money go down at all. This is actually false. It's supposed to go down. It's supposed to fund our retirement. But there are all sorts of unknowns that play into our fears, such as how long will I live? Could I outlive my money? How much will I need if health care keeps going up? And, of course, I want to have enough money to do the fun things. And we all know without doing a financial plan, this can lead someone to stress out and go into the psychology of, well, I have to have actual income coming in to offset those expenditures. Even if people have substantial assets, do you find that they get nervous about running out of money? Absolutely, they do. They go from hearing don't touch it to touch it, and they they do fear running out. What they're not taking into consideration, though, there's still growth on their assets happening over time. They got the snowball in motion. They're not taking the entire thing out and putting it under a mattress, okay? So it is the power of compound interest working over the decades. Also, something especially for women comes into play. It's called bag lady syndrome. (laughs) So this is the psychology. No matter where you are, how much you have, you have a fear of outlasting your assets and being a burden on your family. How hard is the fight to turn on Social Security at the right time? Do we feel that it's like, oh, 62, I I want to get something? So I'm really glad you're bringing this up because many people then turn mentally to needing income in retirement to be able to pay their expenses when they can't get their head around, just pull from my retirement funds. So they turn on Social Security, and maybe they will turn it on right away. They retire, here they go. What they're doing is giving up the growth of their payment and what their payment would be in the future because of their fear of not having immediate income stream. But this is exactly why they've been putting away that money, remember, to pull it out, use it for expenses. This is one of the biggest, I'll say it, mistakes that we as planners can see. People turn on all their sources of income right away when they retire, not thinking about the tax consequences, their cash flow situation, not thinking about how much they really actually need and how it might impact them, and not really doing the planning period. They just turn on the cash flows and try to deal with it from there. And this is where it's really all about that math. And we've got tools to help. One is the, at least what I think, the inelegantly named bucket strategy. (laughs) Yeah, so we like to think of expenses in two different branches or tranches, buckets, if you will. Ooh, tranche is much fancier. (laughs) The first tranche is your expenses that you have to have. So basically, I have to have these basic expenses to keep my life running. Rent, mortgage, utilities, basic food in the fridge, gas in the car, personal maintenance. The second bucket is the fun bucket, I call it, the discretionary tranche or the, hey, I want to have bucket, not I need to have. This bucket might contain travel, extra entertainment, above and beyond expenditures, those sporting season tickets, for example. Now, the two buckets, equally important. However, if you think about it, the first bucket we have no control over. We got to pay our utility bills no matter what. The second bucket, however, we can expand and contract as we wish. It's discretionary. We controlled it. That psychologically gives us more freedom, especially in that early part of retirement. It's really important if we retire into a down stock market that we feel we have some flexibility. Look at what happened with people who might have retired in March during the COVID lockdown of 2020. Market went down sharply. What planning can do is keep newly retired people in times like that from saying, oh, 
oh, gee, now I'm going to have to go out and get another job or I'll have to keep working and not be able to retire. It's about planning. It's about financial plans. And when we say financial plans, we're talking about running countless scenarios and possibilities that include a lot of projections. Absolutely. Planning makes us feel better about this bucket of money we've saved as a whole. It shows that over time, if properly invested, it keeps growing and working for us. So whatever life brings, we have a better understanding of how it impacts our money and our future. So in our last 30 seconds or so, I've got to ask, should we feel guilty if in the first part of retirement we spend more? And please tell me no. <laughs> no, not at all. Just be cognizant of it. People do usually spend more in their first year or so. We call it the go-go years. So even in their first decade. But this is, again, where planning can really help out. Right there. It's about planning. Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning Development, a CFP and a CDFA at Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Those new smartwatches give you all sorts of insights on your personal health. Heart rate, steps, all right there. Wealthmetric gives you key insights on your financial health. If you're looking for analysis and data on your financial health, get your Wealthmetric by visiting AnnexWealth.com. We're back. It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. Just want to remind you, Axiom, which is a free weekly newsletter that shows up in your email inbox every single Sunday. So make sure you sign up for that. You don't have to be a client for that. Also, subscribe to the Annex Wealth Management YouTube channel. You can search by topic. The one thing, when you go into that, don't do the general uh, YouTube search. Get into our search as well. But we've got 1,400-plus topics that are up there, and it's all about the learning. Speaking of the learning, Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning Development, a CFP and a CDFA, and Dave Spano still, Annex Wealth Management's President and CEO. I got a call earlier on Friday, and it was a conversation that we had with another financial advisor, and I have to tell you, it was like talking to a long-lost brother, because he is also, and his firm is a fee-only fiduciary, and he loves, he's not around here, but he loves the fact that we talk about know the difference because he has the same problem that Dan that you and I have which is explaining the difference in financial advisors a fee only fiduciary fee only fiduciary folks is a unicorn oh it definitely is because we're not incentivized in any way to point a client in a certain direction you know our it, it's absolutely doing what is in the best interest of that client and we do that by keeping an arm's length relationship there's no sales right, right. you're not sitting across from a salesperson thinking ah i'm going to win that trip to hawaii if i get sell one more annuity right. that's a huge difference there's no difference and i will tell you there are other people in this listening area who call themselves fiduciaries, yeah. ask them if they're a fee-only fiduciary, folks, because there is a difference. And that means that then you can't take off the hat, the fiduciary hat, when it fits you or suits you as an advisor. You are always a fee-only fiduciary, and that means that you can't collect commissions on the side. That's number one. Number two, Ask where the custodian is. In other words, where are the assets housed? If they're housed at a brokerage firm at the end of the day, then there's transaction costs. You need to know about that. We use third-party independent custodians, TD Ameritrade, Charles Schwab, and Fidelity Dion. Yeah, yeah. You need to ask who's holding my money, right? Who actually is in control of that, and how do you operate in conjunction with that money? I've got my hand up. Dave, I have heard of the type that they sometimes are fiduciaries, but other times are not. What yeah. about them? Yeah, well, that's what we're talking about when they say fee-only fiduciaries, right? That's exactly but my somebody point. somebody could say, I'm a fiduciary. You, when, when it suits them, when, right? So okay. you have to find out, you know, do, you know, once in a while, do they put on the commission hat, as Deanne was talking about, if they sell, you know, you do all this fiduciary work, and then you sell an annuity, 
right? That is mm-hmm. with a big commission. And I know of folks who, who do exactly that. And then they hit them with, you know, a, a, an annuity commission that's eight or 9%. So there's no question. You have to know the platform that your advisor works within. I must be in the age group or at least the, the neighborhood, but I got two direct mail pieces last week of the, the steak dinner. Mm-hmm. Oh, the congratulations. Right. Well, at least it wasn't chicken dinner. Well, right? It was a steak dinner. Still it still was steak. a steak dinner. But all the way through this thing, because, you know, I'm in the marketing department. I'm, I'm reading through it. I keep seeing insurance, insurance, insurance. Oh, yeah. What does that tell me? Well, it tells you that they sell insurance, right? And they have to disclose that, which is good, because years ago, there could be a wolf in sheep's clothing. So, therefore, they are now disclosing because they have to. But these are the questions that we want you to ask, and we've put together a checklist, Deanne. Yeah, we, we definitely have a, a lot of annuities, Dave, to that point. Annuities are insurance products, but a lot of annuities are also investment-based, and so they kind of act like a more expensive investment vehicle, and so they aren't always framed that way, but you're right. The commissions can be huge. They are insurance after all. So in knowing the difference, knowing what you own, I mean, this is why we do a deep dive with anyone, complimentary consultation, taking a look, building their wealth metrics, showing them really what they have, the risk within their portfolio, and also taking a look at the growth of their money over time. What does it look like in their financial plan with their goals? Well said, guys. For Deanne Phillips and Dave Spano, I'm Danny Clayton. Thank you very much for listening. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. We're going to see you next Sunday at noon right here on 92.5 Fox News. The Annex Wealth Management Show is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation.